This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Well, there may not be any hockey to talk about, but there's a lot of stuff to unpack from the last week. The NHL shut down. My freaking beer league hockey is shut down. Everything is shut down. But the tip of the iceberg, no, we we march on because we are here for the fans. And the fans are what we care about. And I know last week we said we had a very special surprise for everybody this week because it was going to be episodes 49 and 50. Well, surprise! Hockey is gone. You're welcome. There's your surprise. Welcome to episode 49, as I mentioned, of the tip of the iceberg. A lot of unpacking to do with what's going to happen and what could possibly happen with the NHL. And we're also going to be joined a little bit later by Andy and James of the Broadway Boys podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. So that's something to look forward to. But for right now, let's get it started with the original two. My name is Nick Berlansky, and I'm joined, of course, by Nick Horwat. How are you today, Nick? Uh, well, hockey has made me a little bored, but uh, we're here. We're here to have a good time, and we, we're we going to have fun during this break. That's what everyone at the podcast network wants to do. That's what everyone at the hockey writers is trying to do. We're all trying to be positive and be really fun with this time off because you can't dwell on the circumstances. Obviously, it's not great. I also work in news, so I've just been pushing out stories of just not great things recently as of recording this there have been four cases in allegheny county of it so it's growing everyone out there stay safe and healthy and soon enough i feel i personally don't think this will last too long but for the time being let's have some fun let's be positive shall we yeah everything in the world is so negative right now we're here to just have a little bit of fun there's no hockey so it's all up to us and i think it's going to be interesting to see who in the network takes that challenge and and really runs with it and makes it good and i think yeah, but also one more thing, and don't worry, we're going to try and keep up with all the uh, <clears throat> madness. There's a little hint for you. All the madness of what may continue with this podcast in particular. Ooh, what a little bit of a drop the of jumping what's off to come. Point. Yeah, a jumping off point. Yep. But let's first start with what has happened since our last episode. Obviously, last Thursday, the NHL decided to postpone the remainder of the season due to the outbreak of COVID-19, otherwise known as the coronavirus. The players were sent back to their home NHL cities and asked to stay in those home NHL cities. So no Florida getaway for Evgeny Malkin is what we've we've basically come to see. The Pens players, the Pens Foundation, and the Mario Lemieux Foundation all stepped up and said they will pay arena employees, both part-time and full-time employees, for the missed time. So good on them. There's still some NHL organizations that haven't but the Pittsburgh Penguins being one and one of the first ones to lead the charge in saying they're gonna pay for these lost wages so good on them for that and that's a really good thing and it's something that needed to happen I would think yeah absolutely I mean it's something that needed to happen it's good the Penguins are doing it I've seen people get really angry at the teams that aren't doing it my opinion there is don't get mad at the teams because in a lot of arenas the team is not the main owner of the arena in the penguins case they are the owner of the arena so they had that power but in some cases the arena is owned by a separate entity and it is not up to the team granted it is still one thing for the team to step up and do something but it's not their responsibility they don't have to so if they're not i'm not mad at the team find out who the who owns the building 
and yeah. go from there. That's yeah. who you can be mad at. I mean, speaking of, like, I'm losing a little bit of money right now during this time because Stage E is shut down. So I'm getting affected by it, too. So I understand where they're coming from. I know Stage E is going to find ways to support us in this time off. So, so I understand where these people are coming from. It's just up to the people who own the building. And in this time off, we've been able to see what Pittsburgh Penguins players are doing. Some of them, of course, taking to social media, seeing Brian Dumoulin enjoying nice bottles of wine under do two for the boys on Instagram. Evgeny Malkin, of course, his kid broke his arm. Really? So, yeah, little tiny Nikita broke his arm. So, unfortunately for them, the Pittsburgh Penguins, at least, you know, you mentioned it. <laughs> Jake Gensel. <Wait. laughs> Jake Gensel could be back by the time the season begins. So, what, what, what are you laughing at now? Oh, what, my God. It's... Man, this injury bug is still with us, man. Oh, Even our kids are getting hurt. We shut the league down, and the Penguins' <laughs> children are still not safe. They're still – put them on the injury report. Nikita Malkin, four to six weeks. It, it's not totally funny, but it's 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 interesting that that's happening. But, yeah, I mean, we can't escape it. But, yes, no. we can maybe have Jake Gensel back at some point now. Yeah, so there, there's something to look forward to, maybe if the season continues, which is what's something that we're going to talk about in a little bit. What's next is really – for everybody involved, we await word to see if any NHL players or personnel for the NHL were infected by the COVID-19 prior to the stoppage because it's something that you don't really show symptoms until a week or two in. So that's what we're probably waiting for right now is the next news to see is if anybody was affected by it or infected by it at the NHL level. And we await a timeline for the NHL to return to action on a trial basis possibly. So, Nick Horwat, let me ask you, what should happen? the rest of the season? How should the NHL play out the rest of the 2019-20 season upon the ending of this stoppage? They had about 15% of the regular season remaining. So what do you think they should do? It's a hard decision to make. I'm not saying to cancel the rest of the regular season because I don't think you can really do that. I say you have to have everyone reach a certain number of games to at least be even. I know they want to maybe go by win percentage, but I mean, if you're back in time, I say let everyone play a few more regular season games to have everyone be at straight wins and points and all that. And then my ideal situation for it would be do that, have everyone get to a certain number. Like, I know we're at 69. Nice. But um, maybe make it like 73, 74, have everyone get a few more games in to try and get these teams that are on the cusp of possibly making it, give them their shot, their due shot to be in, truncate the playoffs in a way. Maybe do a best of three, best of five in the first round or second round. And then the last two rounds, full game, full seven round series. That's my ideal for it. I know the league was talking to arenas about what their availability is in late July. So I think that is what our cutoff is, is around that time. Yeah, it's going to be something that's interesting. And obviously it's something that is a very moving target because you don't know how long you're going to be out. You have no idea how long this stoppage is going to last for. And you mentioned playing up until like 74 games the thing is do you think you need to completely readjust like completely remake a schedule to fix that because you can't really you're, just go off the schedule you had because right. then you're still going to have teams playing certain amount of games against different teams so you're saying you just completely make a new schedule to get everybody to the 74 game mark or a specific game mark not necessarily a specific the game mark um you would have to move the schedule around obviously i mean like first game to go like for the penguin situation would be we wouldn't play that chicago game because it's of no no convenience yeah uh, we would pro every team would probably only play depending on the team maybe only divisional games granted that's what 
most of our games left anyway, aside from that Chicago game and the Ottawa game. But maybe they would like, like I'm trying to look at our schedule and figure it out, but I'd say, I mean, really, you definitely cut the Chicago game. Maybe you cut one of the Rangers, one of the Carolinas. I mean, we've played every team this year, so it's not like you're worried about not seeing a team. But, yeah, you would have to adjust the schedule, maybe maybe make it, like, every other day situation. I don't know. It's something that we'd all have to figure out. I mean, because these buildings aren't obviously aren't just hockey. I mean, there's basketball who might come back at some point. That one might be gone a little longer, but that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> um, all these buildings have concerts that might be coming back around. We know WWE is still going on. Not necessarily in arenas but that could go back out on tour at any time Vince is a nut (laughs) so you never know it's all gonna be interesting to see my ideal that's just my ideal of just shrinking the rest of the regular season to a point and then maybe truncating the playoffs in a way okay that's an idea that's an idea if you pitch that to Bill Daly I think he'd put that in the yes this is definitely an idea yeah but you look at a couple things here Bill Daly did come out and say that this is not going to affect the length of the 2020-2021 regular season. It will be an 82-game regular season. The other thing you have to look at is how long, and nobody knows, how long are you going to be out? How long are you going to be on hiatus here? And that's yeah. that's the big thing. You have a firm deadline then for the start of next season, and you have a moving target for the beginning, or re-beginning, I should say, of this season. So that leads me to say one thing. Throw all of that out the window. Throw all that shit out the window. Bye-bye. Done. Regular season, playoffs, done. One, I don't want to see a crappy playoffs if you come back and just start at the playoffs. Teams will not be ready. Teams won't be happy about it either because there's going to be a selection process that has to get done and someone's getting screwed. Yep, you're going to screw. Either way, you cut it. If you come back and start immediately at the playoffs, you're screwing somebody. Whether you do a play-in, which I've seen that as well, or, or not, you're screwing somebody. No, Not everybody's going to be happy, and that's fine. But here's the other thing. Teams aren't going to look good. You're also talking about they might need a two-week mini camp just to get back into the swing of things. No, they're not going to look good. It's going to be a shell of what the NHL playoffs were. Now, I, I, I saw this on an article, and the last time that the NHL played a regular season but didn't award the Stanley Cup. 1919, right? 101 years ago, 1919. Because of the Spanish, Spanish flu, flu outbreak. Yep. Yep. That's, yeah, that's that's the angle I'm taking. Don't award Stanley Cup champion. Axe okay. the playoffs. Axe it. Just an extra long offseason. Clearly, these players need it. You saw how many injuries there are this year. Clearly, these <laughs> players need it. Come back with a full strength of the NHL when you can put fans in the seats. That's something else that we're going to yeah. obviously talk about with this. That's another factor. Do you come back and play in front of empty arenas? I don't know if I particularly want to see that in a random regular season game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, I guess that'd be interesting to watch. I don't want to watch playoff hockey with nobody in the seats. So my idea, axe the whole thing. Hmm. The Boston Bruins get the president's trophy because they are number one. And you call them the NHL champions. They are not the Stanley Cup champions because they did not play for the Stanley Cup. And that is reserved for the team that won the NHL playoffs, the team that went through the NHL playoffs and won the Stanley Cup. That's your reward for that. If you don't have the playoffs, like I'm suggesting, 
you can call the Boston Bruins the NHL champions. They do not get to say they're the Stanley Cup champions. They get the President's Trophy, and you can parade around with that as soon as the coronavirus outbreak is, is under control. You can parade that through the streets of Boston for all I care. Give them the President's Trophy. Give out all your postseason awards. Call it a day. Go about your business in the offseason, NHL draft, whatever you have to do. You can do that online. You can do that mm -hmm. via satellite or whatever. Free agency, of course, that's not really in person either. So I say ax the rest of the season. As much as it sucks, because as much as I hate it and I really, really want hockey back right now, whatever they're going to put out on the ice is not going to be to the standard of what I think it should be to put all these guys through this. Especially if you're doing the 82-game season next year. Yeah, that's a hell of a take, actually, because obviously it's one that no one wants. Even you said that's the one that no one wants. But that's something that it's not in Gary Bettman's mindset right now. He wants to hand out the Stanley Cup this year. Like He made that first and foremost. And that makes sense. It's what, it's, it's what he should want to do. And I can see where you're coming from with it in you know axing the season. My thought on that is, I will agree with you when it comes to axing the season, do what you got to do, extra long offseason, all that. I'm going to disagree with you on the Boston Bruin points. Give him the President's Trophy and then call him the President's Trophy winner and just say kind of like what baseball did when they took a strike. There was just no winner that year. Do what we did and what hockey did in 2004, 2005. There was just no winner. That's just the way it was. Granted, obviously, yeah, but there was no regular season, season then. Yeah, there was no season there at all, but they still consider it on the Stanley Cup, on the physical cup. It says not, what does it say, not played? Yeah, twenty. the season not played or something like that. Like, that's what I'm thinking of. Like, you can just say for that year, just do that same little blank mark. It just says not played. No, no, it was played, though. That's my thing. Don't play, put not played. Put 2019-20. Coronavirus screwed us. And then Boston, they can do whatever they want. They get no parts of the Stanley Cup in, in, in my whole scenario. You get no parts of Lord Stanley's Cup. But I'm sure you're the NHL champions because you were the best regular season team as we were playing. That's fine. That's, that's the point that I want to make. And I know Gary Bettman says, uh, we want to award a Stanley Cup champion. Of course he wants to award a Stanley Cup champion. It's money in his pocket. That's why they're fighting to get this back. And that's why they're fighting for an 82-game season next year. They don't want to lose any more money than they're already losing due to this outbreak. Right. I'm looking to see if I can find the... I'm looking for the 1919 edition of how that all played out. So this might take a minute because it's all old stuff and hard to find. <laughs> Yeah, but. and the, the big thing is, to me, is no. I, I don't want to go the whole way until October. I don't want to go seven months without hockey. It sucks. And as a hockey fan, I don't think I want to see that. But at the same time, thinking of the best interest of the players and the best interest of the teams and everybody involved, just axe the season. As much as it sucks, do it. It's going to make it the easiest. It's not going to make everybody happy. Nothing's going to make everybody happy. Just Call it a season. Call it quits. Sure, maybe you don't do what I said and name the Boston Bruins the NHL champions. You definitely don't award the Stanley Cup if you don't have a playoffs. But given the President's Trophy, that should be enough. That's all I'm going to say about that. Did you find what you were looking for then? Oh, the it got canceled in during the Stanley Cup final. What did? The 1919 season. <laughs> at the time, it was the series ended at a 2-2, at a 2-2-1, no winner awarded between the Montreal Canadiens and the Seattle Metropolitans. Welcome back, Seattle, by the way. Just saying. <laughs> so that's 
actually very interesting. I did not know it was that far in. I figured so it was even f- further in than we are now. Yeah, but that's a big old the more you know situation. I don't think I I never knew that at all because I never thought to look this up or else I'd, I would have that in my back pocket waiting for you. <laughs> well, yeah, but... you always love when you have your keen <laughs> facts. You love throwing them in my face like, haha, but I do know this and you do not. I know I know you enjoy doing that. Yeah. So I don't I don't know what the right situation is. Nobody knows what the right situation is. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Like we said, it's a moving target, but they're going to have to do something. Yeah. My vote, axe the season. Your vote. Do some court sort of finish off the regular season with a couple games and then go into the playoffs. And that's if this all gets resolved soon enough, of course. If it doesn't get resolved soon enough, I'm with you on ending it because we can't push the guys further to having a super short off season mm-hmm. when they're about to get put through hell in the playoffs. And, like, I, and I get the part that is you're screwing players like Patrick Marlowe, like Zdeno Chara, who might yeah. have had really good chances at a Stanley Cup this year. What at the same time. I, I didn't start the coronavirus outbreak. It's a freak right. thing. Yeah. It sucks. Deal with it. Everybody in the real life is dealing with it. You guys can deal with it as hockey players. You made millions upon millions of dollars. Sedano Charo won a Stanley Cup. Feel a little worse for Patty Marlowe because he didn't win a Stanley Cup. Maybe you just give the Pittsburgh Penguins a Stanley Cup then. There's another take. Just give it to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Why? Let's give it to the player <laughs> that has the highest points per game since 2005. That's probably Sidney Crosby, right? Yeah, it I is. mean, I think he's had the highest since he joined the league. <laughs> yeah, so let's just do that. There we go. Sure. Let's, Pittsburgh let's Penguins are the let's... 2020 Stanley Cup champions. That's the end of the story. I can't wait till we start playing hockey again and we go back to this. Oh, yeah, that'll be interesting. We are going to take a quick break, but when we return, we will be joined by Andy and James of the Broadway Boys podcast, covering the New York Rangers here on the Hockey Podcast Network. We'll be right back. The push for the playoffs is underway, and while the Penguins will hopefully not be getting a lottery pick, 15 other teams will be, and you can win big for predicting the correct draft order. The Hockey Podcast Network has partnered with Tankathon and Cool Hockey to bring you the first ever NHL Draft Lottery Contest, where the winner will receive a $200 Cool Hockey gift card. To enter, first visit tankathon.com NHL, click Sim Lottery until you see an order you think will be correct, and then screenshot your 15-team draft order. Then just visit us at our Twitter page, at Iceberg Podcast, and comment on our pinned tweet with your screenshotted draft order. All that's left to do is retweet the post and tag two of your friends to be entered for a chance at a $200 gift card to Cool Hockey. Only one entry per Twitter handle. All entries must be submitted by April 8th, and you must be following Tankathon, Cool Hockey, and the Hockey Podcast Network to qualify. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg, episode 49. We talked earlier a little bit about the NHL shutdown, or hiatus is probably a better word for it, and what we should do next. But we are now joined by two very special guests to talk a little bit of hockey because in this time of quarantining and staying home from work we need a little bit of time to talk hockey because without hockey it's kind of tough to get through the day in in my personal experience so we are joined by the two gentlemen from the broadway boys podcast here on the hockey podcast network covering the new york rangers thank you for coming on andy and james it's a real honor to have you guys yeah thank you for having us 
Yeah, I'm very pumped to be on, especially during this time. And the big thing that a lot of us have talked about on at least the Slack chat is making it fun and trying to continue the conversation and continue going throughout the season as if this is just an obstacle or a small obstacle, but it is a pretty big hurdle for everybody to get through. And the first thing that we talked about today, of course, on the first episode coming back from this hiatus is how we thought the NHL should finish out the season after this suspension per se is over. So the first thing I wanted to ask you guys is is the first and probably only real heavy hitting question here is how do you guys think this should continue once the NHL returns? I'm going to let uh, James take this one because I, I think he's definitely the, the most uh, up-to-date on what's going on. So I'll, I'll let James, I'll let you address this one. Yeah. Um, so after doing a little bit of talking with some people that I know, uh, I, I, I don't think it's a realistic situation that the NHL is going to have any sort of playoffs or continuation of the regular season. Um, it just seems that uh as the situation with the coronavirus progresses unfortunately the summertime is 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 just going to be just as bad as it is now and i think that i think it's the leagues the nba and the nhl and even the mlb are probably going to postpone a little bit more and kind of look at this situation as a wash and i will say that i think the nhl in the future will have a contingency plan if something were like this to happen again, uh, I think this is a, a real uh, a learning uh, opportunity for the league on how to handle situations like this. But unfortunately, I don't see an NHL season happening this year. That's what um, Berlanski was saying earlier with just me and him. He was saying that he almost prefers it to be a wash just for the season, um, which I found is a very hot take, but I understand where he was coming from with it. And, I never thought of it as a learning experience um, and putting something in to be able to combat this. That's actually a very good point that you've made there. I never even thought of it. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, I think – sorry, James, let's cut you off. But I think, uh, yeah, it's – obviously we heard the comments from Commissioner Bettman, and he kept using that word. It's a pause. It's a, it's a suspension. And obviously they want to leave that window open, but I think at the same time, you know, I th- and especially – uh, James and I living in, in a major metropolitan area just to see we can we can start we we started to see just how this is gonna play out and yeah it just I just that that one month uh, we'll reassess in one month it's it's seeming that you know it's I don't I think that's very early to to try to get a handle on what's really happening especially because I think we're within the next week and a half where we'll finally start seeing, you know, just some of, uh, yeah, we'll be almost in the brunt of it. And like James said, this is something that in a perfect world where everyone was listening to some of the things that are being said right now, or is at least everyone or in an idealistic world where everyone can self quarantine maybe, but you know, unfortunately just based on there are essential personnel going to work right now. Um, especially in some conditions we have in maybe some hotter areas that are more humid. It might, we might see some regression, but there are still places it's, you know, it's the middle of March. Uh, there's still plenty cold, dry air out there, which is like perfect conditions for this to spread. And yeah, I mean, I just, it's, it definitely seems very, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't seem realistic to me to, I think unpausing the regular season seems the most unrealistic. I don't know if they, 
maybe perhaps it is possible to have a very late summer um you know truncated four you know, four team play in <laughs> but you know top of each division but I don't know man like it just uh right now to at least to us you know based on I, the information we have it seems pretty highly unrealistic but who yeah. knows I mean it, listen we're we're all experiencing this in real time and we're finding out more day by day so who's to yeah. really say I guess yeah and you mentioned the self-quarantine thing and the weather and I can tell you it it just got cold here in Pittsburgh again like just last night almost and yesterday was also our St. Patrick's Day celebration where people shouldn't have done it but almost everyone flocked to um the bars that are all on one street and it was just thousands of people I heard on sports radio today um like obviously there's no not there's only four confirmed cases in the county right now but uh, there's no doubt someone in that crowd probably had it in some way shape or form Oh, absolutely. And obviously, listen, at the end of the day, and I'm sure we've heard we've heard everyone say this, even if you are, let's say, a young person who is not immunocompromised, this isn't really, I mean, it's about you. But at the end of the day, it is about the other people that you can't see, the, you know, people's, right. uh, the elderly, immunocompromised, infants, just, or people that are immunocompromised, they don't know it. Like, yeah, this, this whole like, well, I'm young, so I'll be fine mindset is yeah it's it's not it's definitely not the mindset you should have so you know again it's i'm i'm happy that here at the hockey podcast network we can provide content for people that are (laughs) going to going to be uh remaining indoors especially to help them get you know something to look forward to but but yeah that's the that's this is the type of things people should be avenues people should be looking into and maybe not so much the going out and partying within masses uh, gatherings of people despite the warnings of uh you know the department of health yeah i mean that it just happens but that's just young people being young people but let's we can pull it back to hockey for the time being now um so your your team the new york rangers currently doesn't have a captain which i for one of the mindset that every team should have one just because it's it's the only sport where a captain is very prominent on the playing surface. And I'm just interested, who do you guys think will be the next captain of your team? Well, I can answer that one for sure. I know who the next captain will be. It's going to be Mika Zibanejad. That's what we were figuring because he's, I mean, plus he's been having a great season this year as well. Unbelievable season. I mean, the guy's like, he's our spark plug. He drives the team by himself. Uh, Him and Panarin have unbelievable chemistry. I just think, Mika and his history with the team over the past few seasons, it's just a, a no-brainer that, you know, he's going to be a New York Ranger for a very long time. And I think this season, more than ever, you really saw his leadership role, you know, blossom and just his his effort on the ice. And, you know, obviously the points are, are unbelievable. I mean, he's he was probably going to hit 50 goals or really close to it, only playing and missing, I think, 13 games. So it's just a really cool progression to see uh, and just see him blossom into a number one center that, you know, and, and I'm at fault for believing this too. I didn't really believe in the Mika hype when he first got here and we traded Broussard for him. So, uh, I mean, he certainly, uh, he certainly took me by storm. And I think, I think uh, he's a lock for the, the captain. With the Mika thing, I know you guys have been saying that for, for a pretty long while that you expect him and fully expect him to wear the C, if not next season, sometime in the near future, which is, was amazing because you watch him as somebody that kind of got passed over last year as far as the whole media is concerned across the entire nation. They saw Panarin going there and him being the marquee star, and 
him leading the team. And Mika was already there, and he's already been building that. So it's really amazing to see him blossom in that. And now he's finally starting to get that national attention that he's deserved probably this entire time. I haven't watched all that much Rangers hockey, but he's noticeable every time you watch him. So it's something that's going to be very interesting to watch. And I think I think he does deserve it. I do agree with you guys. Yeah, and I think the thing is he's spoken about how that trade from Ottawa was a wake-up call for him. Like, his numbers coming from Ottawa weren't exactly – you know, he was having a slow progression, but I think, you know, well, I guess he was there from 2011 to roughly the end of the 2016 season. And I just think that they thought somewhere in that span he would emerge as either their number one center or – but, you know, I think his career is probably point career high for points when he was in Ottawa was maybe – I think he had – yeah, he had his final season he had 50 points which is, you know, it's not an insignificant number. And he was only, I think he was only 23, 24 at the time. But for whatever reason, be it, uh, you know, uh, an owner who has tight purse strings or just they ran out of patience with him. And he admitted he didn't take conditioning all that serious and he gets traded. And then he changes his training regimen. And he just, he's, I think he's kind of surrounded by that Rangers core that had just been to a cup final on their way out. So he had some good leadership there, I think, that he just showed him the way. And then, even though he got in his first few seasons with the Rangers, he got a little unlucky with injuries, be it concussions or he broke his leg pretty bad, I think, in the 2017-18 season. But, you know, even last year, I think he missed some time and he still ended up putting up uh, 74 points overall and in, 80, in a full 82-game season. And now this year, he's only going to put if, – if things stay – at he only plays 57 games, but he beats his uh, career, you know, his that by one point he has 75 on the year with 13, you know, A, I guess what we've – 57 games played and missing 13 of them so yeah I mean it's just it's nice because everyone was still like well you know Zemanja's good but he's like a good 2C on like a cup winning team and now it's he can finally say nope you know I back-to-back 70 point seasons and I've missed extensive time in both of them so you know and I would have been close to, to full season you can kind of prorate it conservatively to around 80 points so yeah any penalty kills and he's a 2A force all over the ice and he just looks like James said he's really emerging that leadership role so yeah it's just as a Rangers fan coming you know starting to see a light in the tunnel with this this whole rebuild thing it's obviously nice to see that that's one thing in place that you don't really have to worry about at least for the time being yeah and having that 1c figured out is a very important part especially going forward for the Rangers somebody that I thought was going to be on that first line with them and I don't know if it was just taking too much stock in the draft is I thought Capo Caco was going to have a much better season than he has had. He has 10 goals and 23 points, and he's played a lot better. He got off to a kind of a slower start. But what have you guys seen from him this season? Because I know once the season started, I was really excited to see how he played on North American ice and how he played with the Rangers, and it just hasn't really came together. Now he killed the Pittsburgh Penguins when we played you guys back in, what was that, November, whenever it happened? Seemed like that long ago, yeah. Yeah, but what have you guys seen from Caco this season? Well, I mean... I- yeah, well, our whole entire team has progressed so much over this season, and Kako was a, a huge part of that. I mean, just seeing him in the beginning of the season, we, we tweeted out a photo of just like his muscle mass uh, compared to, you know, his first game to, you know, sitting at a press conference leaning, and you just see like how much this kid has physically grown. And I think the, it was a little overwhelming, I think, the, the size and speed of the NHL, and I think it was very frustrating early on. Um, you know, obviously the Rangers had a lot of controversy over his playing time and, and the whole deal with Leah Anderson, how the Rangers are handling their younger players. And, you know, but overall, looking back now, you know, I, 
I think he was correctly used. I think he probably could have had a little bit more playing time or a little bit more of an opportunity playing with some of the, our bigger guns. But, uh, you know, overall, I'm very pleased to where he's at. Uh, it's a shame that the season has been, you know, suspended and possibly canceled because he was really starting to find his stride. I, I know, Andy, how many times over the past uh, few games have we, we, you know, basically mentioned how, how much – how much more confident and dominant he seemed to be, especially in the offensive zone. Yeah. I mean, coming into this year, I think the first thing you see early is I think everyone noticed that the, the lack of that first step was really hurting him, especially in the national hockey league. I mean, we watched him versus uh, a lot of NHLers in the world championships over the summer. He had the extra ice. He had a little bit more time to make decisions and he looked flat out dominant in that tournament. And then, yeah, but this is the NHL you have to be more and it looked like early on he was trying to rely on things that he previously had the time and space to do the little dipsy doodles and the puck control in the corner and the escapability and it just uh yeah he was I think he felt every bit of being you know an 18 year old child playing against men but I you can definitely see that he's the pace of his play has gotten so much better I like the way his skating has gotten better just within the season. I thought it was going to take a lot of extensive off-season workouts, but it looks like he's uh, he's not anchoring his heels as less, which is he's kind of been guilty of because he wants to give himself options to pivot. Now he's just much more on his toes, and I, I like the fact he's hounding down pucks more. And honestly, just he's shooting the puck more, and I just think that's the biggest difference. He had uh, two goals uh, versus Dallas the other night. Um, and like James Shit said, it's kind of a shame because it seemed like he was had an uptick in his game after you know he kind of hit that dreaded wall in the middle of a rookie season that most kind of guys do. And then, but he was kind of I, I liked how he was looking on the, coming out the other side. So it's a shame, but you know, at the end of the day, I think if you look at him, Jack Hughes and Kirby Doc, you might say either all three guys had uh, underwhelming season, or you can say you know what sometimes you have guys like McDavid and Matthews and line a, and they come and they kind of bust the curve out. And we take that as you have to be a dominant player straight out of the gate and then forget that there are NHLers like dry and uh, Rantanen and, and uh, Barkov that come in and maybe there's an adjustment, but then when they find their game, they become some of the top players in the league. So yeah, I, I think, I, I don't think I'm James or I are worried about Kako. We've seen plenty of the flashes of brilliance and it's just like any other player in the league is going to be about uh feeling comfortable enough to use those more you know yeah and keeping on the trend of rookies you'd mentioned a bunch of them but you guys have another stellar rookie this year that has not really like you said hit the wall this year adam fox has been pretty well up there in uh conversations for rookie of the year like what do you guys think of him and going forward well yeah oh, oh go ahead sorry. no, go ahead. no, All right. no well, you're, I, you're the you're the you're uh, the prospect rookie like you know more about this stuff than i do well <laughs> well you know the biggest thing with fox is that I think expectation wise, we thought he would come in, but he kind of had similar. You're like, well, he's not the most fleet of foot guy. He's more of a methodical puck mover. So everyone was kind of worried that they knew he would be fine because his hockey sense is so high, but everyone was kind of worried. Well, uh, he might not play with enough pace. Well, he, he pretty much silenced those critics pretty quickly. He, him and Ryan Lindegren have, you know, especially coming off of, Gaining, gaining Jacob Truba in the offseason. I don't think anyone thought that we would be trading Brady Shea come uh, the trade deadline out of necessity it, more than anything else. But I think just based on how comfortable the fact that they've relied on those two to be the top pairing as probably the youngest pairing on the team over, you know, I mean, obviously you have some guys who are seeing better days like your Brendan Smith and your Mark Stalls, but 
Jacob Truba and Tony D'Angelo, who's, who's going to finish fourth in defenseman scoring. I mean, it just shows, speaks volumes about what they think of Fox's game and that uh, here's a guy that you, I guess you could maybe argue if he got uh, first unit power play time, you wonder in regards to how his point totals would look when you compare it to Cal McCarr or a, uh, um, a Quinn Hughes in Vancouver. But yeah, he's just been uh, every better than advertised. And yeah, it's just obviously he's a very special season by him. Do you think he'll get a uh, Calder nomination at all? Uh, I don't think so. I think, like I said, mentioned the, f- the, f- the fact that he hasn't been getting power play time hurts him. I think the fact okay. that it took the, the Rangers didn't put him in a very prominent position, him and, and Lindegren in a prominent position until probably close to January when they finally realized they were more comfortable with those two out there than maybe some of their other defenders. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's a shame and I don't want to take anything away from what Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes have done because they shouldn't be, you know, they shouldn't be docked for rising to the occasion on uh, and being put in positions to s- succeed. But I just do feel that for whatever reason, you know, the Rangers was, with got a lot of shiny new toys this summer and between Tony and Panarin and, and Mika and even Truba early on, it's just, they felt like they had better options on that first power play unit. And maybe even offensively, Tony still might be the guy to be on that first power play. But in terms of, uh, all-around game I think it's easy to see that Adam Fox is head and shoulders the Rangers best defenseman yeah I mean I would definitely agree with that Uh, you know I I also see Adam Fox as you know basically a leader going forward on that on that back end and I definitely can see an A on his jersey in the future for sure wow that's really high regards for somebody that like you guys said coming into the season there was a lot of other options for the shiny new toys and stuff that the Rangers got and something that is very interesting to me when I look at the Rangers. The first thing I think of is that goalie situation is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And I, I messaged you guys earlier in the season, and I said, "Wow, it must be nice to have Yorgiev and Lungfist playing really well." And at, at that point, Lungfist was playing fairly well. And then you guys said, "Oh, oh, you wait. The <laughs> best is still in the AHL." And then of course, Shesterkin comes up and starts off with a monster start. So with that in mind. What do you guys do with that going forward? In your opinions, do, do you try to trade somebody that's meant so much to the organization like Henrik Lundqvist? Like, what do you guys, what do you even do with that? I've been trying to trade Henrik Lundqvist in my own little personal world for years. Uh, <laughs> I, and and that's, not, that's not a knock against Henrik Lundqvist. It's because, you know, he, he's masked so many of our deficiencies over the past seasons. And, you know, you know, he has literally carried us, you know, throughout the seasons and through playoffs. And I can't even tell you how many game sevens he put our team on the back and was able to squeak out a win. Uh, you know, and we just never addressed the problems that we really needed, like goal scoring and such like that. So, uh, you know, with the whole three goalie situation, I, I'm a big proponent of a team having two, like, two goalies that can be platooned and split a 60-40 season. And then you ride your, you know, you ride your number one through the playoffs. And this way you're, you know, you're a little bit more confident in that backup goaltender in case a, in case a, uh, an injury happens. But, you know, the New York Rangers are going to have to figure something out. They have to move Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, either he needs to retire or, you know, be bought out. That's how I personally feel. But I, I don't think Henrik wants to go anywhere. And I don't think he really plans on going anywhere. So I'm very curious to see if the Rangers – try to you know make a trade with 
you know, Georgie at, at some point during the offseason because he is, a, I think, a restricted free agent. Okay, that's, that's really interesting because I know as being a Penguin fan and playing against Lundqvist for so many years, I've grown to not like the guy. <laughs> but oh, no, as, that's him. just... Okay. I mean, that's just me being a kid, not liking, you know, the rival goaltender who's someone who, I love goalies. Like I love the idea of a goalie and just the pads drew me in never as a kid, but it was interesting seeing a point in the New York Rangers where they had a goalie is- an issue almost where you didn't know who you were going to put in. I also had Lundqvist on my fantasy team this year and I saw him play well at the beginning and then get next to no playing time. So it hurt me a little bit there, but I mean, He's a guy that I grew to not like, and then as I grew up, I realized what he meant to the team. I'm also partially a Kings fan, so sorry they had to do oh, that man. to you. <laughs> oh, wow. But my um, only chance. I know. I'm sorry. But That's all right. Um, I'm going to pull back just to skaters real quick because this is a guy that was connected to you know, being sent out and more specifically being sent to Pittsburgh. But Chris Kreider, what did you guys think of that whole you know, maybe getting traded and now re-signing because I thought I never thought he was going to get traded. I thought he was going to get re-signed the whole time, but that's just me. What did you guys think of all that? I think when James and I were talking about it, you know, based on what we were hearing, you can kind of tell what's real smoke and what's like the agent doing this or pushing this or the team trying to drive up price. I I think we, we settled on we were probably 60, 40 he was going to stay. But at this, you know, I think – and there's a lot of tinfoil hats, uh, things, you know, theories around this. But when they made the announcement, you, you'll remember they also in the same press conference announced that uh, Igor Shosturkin and Pavel Buchnevich were in a car accident and they were going to miss a little bit of time. So I do wonder that it seemed like the team was unwilling that they, you know, Kreider wanted seven years. Uh, the team wanted six and he probably wanted I think around 7 million. And, and again, the team probably wanted six and a half and he ended up on uh, six and a half for seven years. So I do wonder if both sides eventually that happens and they're like, we can't have a press conference to announce we're creating Trish, Chris Kreider. And then, uh, you know, our two of our players were in a bad car accident while we're in a playoff hunt and we're <laughs> still in it. So I do wonder if it just cooler heads prevailed and there were like, look, uh, you know, let's, let's just, let's you, you we'll meet your seven years you you stay at six and a half and hopefully that with the uh you know with a rising cap this won't look so bad you know in a few years and I mean I won't speak for James but in terms of me I think for me it was although I'm not happy with the seven years I think that's a little too much time I am happy they were able to keep him under seven uh and I do believe he has his tr- trade clause I don't think he has a modified no trade in the final few years of that contract so that makes me feel better about it so and I think it's 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 uh it's definitely front loaded so it makes him infinitely more tradable come the end and you know and the guy is also physical specimen so hopefully he if he can age more like a Patrick Marlowe than you know the various other guys that hit 30 and then fall off the face of the earth then um yeah then I think he'll definitely be worth that contract but Obviously, it does definitely give me pause, but you kind of see the returns that were being floated out there and nothing really blew my skirt up. So I do, you know, at the end of the day, I think uh, even though at the time I was a little mad about the seven years that base, it's I think it still helps his team more than anything they could potentially get uh, in terms of maybe a, a late first and I don't know, a B prospect. Right. And overall, he's having a great season. So you got that going for you. Yeah. 
of course, yeah. when it says contract year and he's about to get traded, he, he turns it on. So who knows? <laughs> he could turn back into a pumpkin next year, but I guess we'll, <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Exactly. Yeah. I do have one more question for you guys, and it's, it's probably the most important and most hard-hitting question you're ever going to be asked on a podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. What is the best pizza in New York City? Ooh. James, do you, do you want to go first, or do you want me to? Um, yeah, you go first. Cause... Okay. All, right. All right. You go first. If you are going to New York City, the best pizza you can get is you are going to – uh, let's say you boys are coming from uh, presumably the Pittsburgh area. You, you take a train to, you take an Amtrak train and it gets you into Penn Station. You're going to jump on the one train. You're going to take it down to, uh, I'm sorry, no, take a six train. You're going to take it down to Astor Place. And then you just a, f- a few blocks away, you will find yourself at Prince Street Pizza. And at Prince Street Pizza, you're going to get the spicy square. It's, it is a, Sicilian square pizza with uh, soprasata cups, so pepperoni essentially, and it is the best, in my estimation, it is the best pizza in New York. It is so good. It has that perfect charred bottom. It's not too fat, but it's not too thin. It's like one of those Sicilian slices, but it's not like really doughy. It's just, you get that that partially coal, uh, you know, fire slash just yeasty, delicious crust taste. You have these soprasata cups with oil just kind of fizzling off of it. They are so good. And the cheese is just delicious. So the spicy square slice at Prince Street Pizza is, in my opinion, the best slice in New York City. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to say there's a couple of locations, but Artichoke Pizza, I, it's very expensive. And if you if you live in New York, it's probably not worth going there all the time because the next 24 hours is a little rough, in my opinion, after eating the pizza because it's so rich and, and filling. Uh, but artichoke pizza, uh, they make some pretty good ones too. They, you know, they, you know, it's never just the plain cheese. You always get like a specialty pie. Like I, the last time I was there, I had the penny vodka slice and it's like eating a whole bowl of pasta on top of your pizza. But like, <laughs> so artichoke pizza for sure. It's definitely a touristy spot, uh, which is why it's a little overpriced, but they, it's an experience for sure. Yeah. That crab slice too is dope. Big, yeah. Big fan of the crab slice. I've only been up there a couple times, but my favorite, from what I've gleaned there, the, the few hours and a couple days that I've been there is Joe's Pizza in Greenwich Village. That that's so far that's that's the best one I've had. Yeah, Joe Joe's is good. Uh, if you're looking for other things, Totono's on Third uh, Avenue is pretty good. Um, obviously, some of the 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 real hardcore pizza head spots you might have to travel to, like either up to Harlem or to, uh, oh, yeah. to Brooklyn, like DeFaris is really good, you know, but there's a crazy weight, you know, you have the, I do think that, you know, the original, uh, is, uh, what's it's escaping me. That's over under the Brooklyn bridge, whatever that place is mm-hmm. called, but yeah, the, under uh, that's overrated. I think, <laughs> I think, I think honestly, I think between, like I said, Prince street pizza, DeFaris, uh, Joe's and Greenwich village are, you know, you definitely can't even best pizza in, in Williamsburg. Like you can't, you can't really go wrong, you know. There's if whatever type of slice you like, uh, they they'll you'll they'll find it there. So whether you're traditional, uh, you know, uh, traditional New York slice guy, or you like some a little bit more panache and you know filler toppings, we yeah, do have great one. dollar slice pizza too. Like it's oh, under, yeah. it's oh, underrated yeah. how good it actually is for a dollar. Yeah, me and Horwat went up there the first time, and we lived only on dollar slices of pizza yeah, for the entire four days that we were there. For me, it was pizza and coffee because I mean. 
Blaze doesn't drink coffee, but I am a coffee guy. And I only did Starbucks because I wasn't trying to get into New York coffee because we were only there for a couple of days. But oh. it happens. Um, Nick, Nick, I'm a big coffee guy, so off yeah. air, I will. We can talk coffee sometime. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but also like you mentioned, like the I'm just gonna keep going for pizza for a minute because I like a nice New York slice. That's probably my favorite. But you mentioned the Sicilian, and I do like a good Sicilian slice as well. Yeah, and it's it's honestly because it's like not too fat. You know, sometimes you get that Sicilian; it's too puffy. So it's like this. It's that nice in between. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. If you're it's not, yeah, it, and it's one of those things that sometimes you get the, the you know, the, or the pepperoni or the whatever slice, and it's just too, yeah, it's just, it's delicious. You still get the nuance of all the cheese and the crust in it, which is so, it's awesome. Right. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I've definitely noted all of your suggestions, and we'll be trying every single one of these the next time I go to New York. So thanks, guys, for that one. And also, oh. Did somebody else have something to say? No, I was just going to say, hopefully, probably not within the next uh, four months. But yeah, you know, no, I'm, I'm probably not. Hey, maybe, hey, maybe you know. late, late, late summer if things are looking okay. Uh, you guys want to come up? We'll, we'll take you around. We'll take you to our spots. Hey, I'll definitely hit you up with that. But thank you, guys, again, Andy and James, so much for joining us. And I'll give you guys the floor here for a little bit. Let you plug your stuff. So uh, again, thank you for coming on. It was a great time. Definitely going to have to write down all those pizza places and, and we'll definitely hit you up in the summer, but I'll give you guys the floor to plug whatever you guys need to plug. Uh, yeah. You can just follow us at Broadway boys pod on Twitter. Uh, I'm just like our friends here at tip of the iceberg. We do release every uh, Monday and Thursday. And uh, I think that's really it. Right, James. Yeah. And we're under the Broadway boys podcast uh, under the hockey podcast network. So look for us there. Thank you guys so much. Have Thank you guys. One. Thank you. That was Andy and James from the Broadway Boys Podcast. Of course, go ahead and follow those guys on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod. I thought it was a pretty good interview, and I'm definitely going to take all those pizza recommendations straight to them whenever we go to New York. I'm definitely taking them up on that. I don't know about you. You can come up with me. Absolutely. I mean, like I said, I like a nice Sicilian slice, and I, I mean, before we started recording, I found out they both work on Broadway, so they're feeling the effects of this whole break too. Big time. But, hey, once this all settles down, We'll get up there, maybe go to MSG, catch a game or something. Oh, I've never been to MSG, man. Neither have I. That's the hockey mecca. It's on, it is yep. definitely on my bucket list for hockey. For sure, yeah. So it was interesting to hear all their thoughts on players like Adam Fox and Capo Caco especially, those yeah. two rookies that we're definitely going to have to see a lot about. Yeah, and they're good guys to talk to. One thing I noticed as we were sitting there, they are just good at just talking. Like. <laughs> You know? Yeah, no, they're very intellectual. They know their stuff, and it's really appreciated, and I had a great time with them on. Yeah. I'd love to have them on again. I'm sure you'll hear from them again, but that is all for this one. You can follow Horwat at NickHorwat41 on Twitter. You can follow me, if you'd like, at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. The tip of the iceberg can be found anywhere you get your podcast from, so go on over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to us, or subscribe to us anywhere you get your podcasts, and throw a nice rate our way. We love the five-star ratings, so go ahead. Five stars only, as Hockey Troll would say, but of course, the tip of the iceberg is brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. Every team, everywhere, we'll see you guys on Thursday.